Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Surf and Sales Podcast. I'm Scott Lease here with my friend Richard Harris. And we are talking today to by far the most prolific surfer that we've had yet on the podcast, Taylor Lobdell out of San Francisco. Taylor is a former state champion high school surf team. Uh, welcome to the show, Taylor. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. First of all, what school has a surf team? Scott, why didn't you – did your school have a surf? Well, you were in Chico. So. Landlocked. This guy grew up in Orange County, dude. You guys, yeah. you got, you guys had like a, 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 a smoking team, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. Yeah. You were the state yeah, champion there. Yeah, Yeah. so not, not an individual state champion, but that was, a, that was a team effort. It was Newport Harbor High School um, in Newport Beach, California. So I was lucky enough to – every Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday go surfing for my first period um, in, in high school. And it was all four years I did that, and it was the best part of high school, hands down. I love I, – people who are listening, you know, we've got this on video on YouTube and stuff like that, but Scott's sitting here, like, shaking his head, like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, yep. just, I needed – he's going to oh, call his folks sure. and go, Mom and Dad, I yeah. can't believe we didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, why do I? Why don't I live in Orange County right now? To give that experience to my kids, but a, yes. I'm just a horrible dad right now. That's the dream. That's the dream. Yep. That's awesome, man. So, when did you start? Like, just out of curiosity, like, were you a kid surfer? Were you like, is your are your folks surfers? Like, or did you just yeah. you were the one who just sort of got the bug? Yeah, I come from a family of ocean people. I would say, my dad was a Huntington Beach lifeguard. My uncles are big surfers, and. I honestly don't remember the first time I surfed. It was probably when I was five years old, but I remember getting my first surfboard in the fourth grade. I went to this place called Played Against Sports. And oh, we have that. Yeah. yeah, went to the used surfboard rack, um, got this like way too, far too advanced surfboard for my, my liking. It was a, it was a Cordell. And uh, I beat that thing up that summer. Um, and then I got a, a custom board after that. Nice. Yeah. Where have you surfed around the world? Because if you're that big of a surfer, you've probably done a lot. Yeah, everywhere. So my, my home break was um, Newport Beach, but I've been to Mexico. I surf here out in Ocean Beach um, at least weekly. I've surfed Hawaii, Spain, um, all over, all, everywhere, basically. Have you done like Bali and all those places too? Like I haven't done any, any, Asia, any Asian trips, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah, one day I will, or Australia. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, got it. Yeah. So, well, well, let's let's shift a little bit. Um, obviously, we can come back to this, and you know, Scott, I think we should have. Uh, Jeff's going to be pissed. Jeff's our other co-founder of Surf and Sales, who's who surfs once a week, and we'll get to the two of you connected because he goes to Ocean Beach. Yeah, probably once a week, Scott. Maybe. Yeah, but, Ocean Beach once a week. He certainly surfed more than once a week. The last, yeah. the last time I know he was at Ocean Beach, he snapped his board in half. That's true. He did. Yeah, I snapped. I snapped my leg in half at Ocean Beach two two winters ago. So I, I that's a story we can get into as well. But that's a mean yeah. wave. We, we'll no we'll hook you. We'll hook you up with. Yeah, we'll hook you up with Jeff and Matt. Yeah. So. Talk to us about some of the parallels of surfing and and sales. Yeah. So. I think that surfing and sales, it's um, one thing I was thinking about before coming on here was just how you get good at it. And just like you get good at everything is practice. When you drive down to the beach and you see the waves and they are not good and you do not want to go out or maybe it's a little bit too big for your liking, but you force yourself out there. 
that's when you actually get better. Just like in sales, when maybe the leads are not that great or the product you're selling is, is, is a little rough. Um, those are the times that you actually get better. Um, so it's, it's really focusing on the day-to-day activities, like just even paddling out or making that extra phone call where that, that's where you get good. So when the waves get triple overhead or I can't serve those ways, but overhead and pumping, um, just like when the leads are flowing, then you'll be ready to actually, actually hit it and and be successful. So tell me, tell me more about what you said was, um, if the product is rough, I think is the word that you used. Yeah. I think a lot, I think a lot of people will think like, well, there's no way to get good at selling if the product is not, is not superior. And you sort of said the opposite of that. So talk to us a little bit more about that. What's the opportunity for people to improve their salesmanship, if, salesmanship if, if the product is less than superior? Yeah, I would say it's all about focusing on what the, the customer really, their, their challenge. So you can actually listen to them. And if you're just all, all focused on the product that you're selling, that's when, um, that's when you just get, you get too focused on it. So you have to focus on your, your customer. And so that you can say, Hey, you know what, maybe this is not the right product for you and let them go. Or you say, you know what, this is what we actually have today. And I think it is perfect for you. So it's really about, about listening to your, your customer and what they need. And, and what is the, the market and the, and the type of sale that you're in now? Give, give everybody some context, um, you know, in terms of where you're coming from. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm in new business sales now for a, account-based platform called Rollworks. They're part of Nextroll, which was formerly the AdRoll group. So it's in the, in the digital marketing space. Yeah, very familiar with, with AdRoll. I'm sure Richard is. Yep, yep. As well. yeah. yeah, it's a gr- great company. Great it company is. To work they, for. They've done really well. I know, I know Scott, uh, who, who uh, what's her name was there, wasn't she? Well, Jean, Jean Marie, JM. Yeah, Jean Marie, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was there for a while. Yeah, actually, Jeff is good friends with the founder of AdRoll. Fun fact, Richard. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, hey, so so Taylor, where did you um, sort of realize you liked sales? Like, when did you, where did that come from in your life? Um, yeah, so I went to uh, Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, where I was also on the, the surf team there. And Scott, another one you missed. Yeah. There you go, buddy. <laughs> I know Scott Scott's fuming right now. So um there I um where when did I realize I love sales? So I don't know if I I worked um at a surf camp growing up from the time I was fifteen to about twenty-five. And I was twenty-five, I was working at a restaurant, I was working ballet, I was working actually I was about twenty-three, but I was working ballet, restaurant, and then a surf camp job in the summers, and then traveling all the time. So I was kind of barely employed, and but but definitely making making some money. And then I was like, you know what? I have to use my degree um, and get some health insurance. So I loved um, the idea of of solar and solar energy, so, and and I I studied that in, in at Cal Poly. So I started looking for companies that do that do solar and in not a technical way so i saw a a job posting for a sdr and i'm like what is that um and it said not a lot of experience needed you just need to be able to make a bunch of phone calls and i'm like i can do that 
So I became an SDR at a company called Sungevity, selling residential solar systems. And I kind of crushed it right out of the gate. I wasn't afraid to talk to people. I listened to people, what they need. And I really did love solar. So it was a, it was a good fit. And I, I rose quickly from an SDR to an SDR lead to an account executive. What do you attribute your early success to? You know, most people, myself, myself included, like, I don't know. It, I felt like it took me a little while to get going. I guess if I look back, I, I wasn't actually an AE and a seller for that long. Like, what, yep. do you, what do you attribute your early success to? I'm curious. It's, for me, it's, maybe this is a fault of mine, but I always have a really good attitude about whatever I'm doing. So it's, if I'm, somebody's tasked me, we used to call it the century club to make a hundred phone calls a day. I would, I would gamify it and get people involved and send out email chains to like for, with scoreboards and leader leaderboards. So kind of making everything a competition and, and having fun with it, not saying, Oh my gosh, I'm going to just leave a hundred fake quick voicemails to get through this day um, to actually put, put some, get some fun into it. I have a question. I want to go back to your surfing, um, particularly on the, on the coaching side or working at a surf mm -hmm. camp. Like, cause I, I think I see a parallel and I'm just curious when you're working and teaching someone how to surf, right. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you feel like that correlates to sort of this SDR role, right. Or to mm -hmm. a sales role? Cause I, I, th I see a correlation. I'm just curious, like when you're teaching someone how to surf, like, you can't just sort of throw up all over them. No, nope. right? no. Nope. So what's that like? What's the parallel? Like if you've got a brand new surfer, like what are you yeah. trying to break down for them so they, we can put that in sales context? Yeah. So, I mean, the most obvious and maybe cheesy answer is that the waves just always are, are coming at you just like, like the leads and the next phone calls. So you have to be ready and it's really how you position yourself. So the, the first thing that I do when I, when I teach somebody to surf, is spend a good 15 minutes at least on the beach just watching the waves and and looking at them and, and kind of aligning your, your surf spot. And then the next thing I, I show them is just how to hold your board while you're you're getting out into the into the waves. Because if your board is is anywhere but straight into the waves, you're gonna get pushed back. And and if your board and your if the wave is coming at you and your board's here, you're gonna get smacked by your board. So even with an SDR, it's like if you're not coming in with the same framework every time, then you're going to you're going to have problems. That's, uh, I, can, That's I can tell you, it, teaching somebody how to surf is equally as painful as teaching somebody how to sell. Yeah, yeah, it's the amount, um, of, the amount of patience required is. That's the part I was going to oh, get. Yeah. To Where did that patience come in? Like, how do you talk about that patience when you've got someone? Like, let's face it, I'm not the world's, you know, I'm still learning consistently, as Scott will tell you. Mm -hmm. you know, you've got the person who's doing it four, five, six times. They're trying, but they're not quite doing it. Yeah, How yeah. do you, right? Like, what advice would you give to other leaders and managers to maintain their patience, to keep that level of, hey, you know, you know, keep working with this person? Yeah, I would say set yourself up or set your sellers up for success where maybe don't throw an SDR on the, on the tier one leads right away. Maybe say, Hey, go, go mess around with the, the lower tier leads. And any, anything you can do is, is a win. Just like in surfing, like if I'm teaching somebody to surf and they ride a wave for a second and on their, on their belly and fall off, 
and get water up their nose, that's still a fun experience. It's not like you, you messed up our, our best customer and um, you're on a pip and it's a lot less pressure. Yeah. Less pressure, less pressure. Exactly. Yeah. How big, how big of a team are you managing right now? So I'm, I'm in, in I'm an IC here. I'm an oh, okay. contributor. Yeah. Got yeah. It. Got it. Do you miss being in a leadership role or are you like, no, I'm pretty cool being, cause I know people who go back and forth, right? Yep. Um, you know, do you like the IC? Do you want to work back into management? Um, not that there's a right or wrong answer, but what, what works for you? What works for Taylor? Yeah, I really like being an IC today. Um, as I said to you guys before, I have a newborn newborn baby. Yeah, congratulations, so, by the way. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, four months old, baby June. She's she's perfect. So I feel like taking care of her is is all I can really take care of right now. And then my my quota, I can't really manage the team right now. But yep. in the future, I would love to to manage. Um, I have I have no sympathy for Taylor right now. I, I, <laughs> Why, I, Scott? Why? I was a VP of sales when I had my my first son, and I was a VP of sales when I had my second son. So I'm just like. Yeah, that's not an excuse. That's not an excuse. <laughs> uh, what what has changed for you um, in your in your sales approach and style in the last five or six years that you've been in this inside sales corporate kind of selling world? Yeah, what has changed? Uh, that's a good question. It's it's really, there seems to be now a lot more technologies to help you, you sell, which can be a, a crutch, um, but it can also be very helpful. When I started, um, and I'm, it sounds like it's forever ago, but it was only like six years ago, was you basically had Salesforce, maybe something to help you dial, um, and, and a, a list of leads. Um, now there's everything from, you can get your, your account scored, you can get... Um, just a ton more marketing help and just the tools have really changed. And that's, that's kind of the one thing that I've seen. How do you avoid, how do you avoid tool fatigue, right? As an IC, right? Cause you're, you're right. Like there's so much yep. out there, right? Yep. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I assume, you know, you're not doing the century club, a hundred dials a day. Yep. You don't promote that in most cases. Um, how do you manage the tool fatigue for a rep so they don't get stuck down the rabbit hole of over preparation just to make a freaking phone call? Yeah, no, it's, it's completely true. Um, I think it's having a framework early in the day or early in the month or early in the quarter to, or the year to say, Hey, this is going to be my, my strategy and I'm not going to change it until I've, I've seen some results or I, I know I need to change it because what's, what's your framework? What's yours? Um, my framework is to really nail down a, a target account list so I can be, be really, really, um, kind of motivated to go after just those, those accounts and put all my energy into those and anything I get inbound and anything I get from SDRs is just, is just icing on the cake, but really be in charge of those. I, I have 150 target account list right now that I just, I know every single company, I know every single leader and decision maker. So that's, that's how I focus on, on them. I'm going to keep getting granular on this because yeah. we haven't, we haven't dove into ICs very much on this podcast. So I want to <laughs> give advice. Um, let's go back to January 1st or December, you know, whatever the end of the month, yep. you've got this list of 150. What did you do? The, the first, you know, if you look at the list of 150, how many yep. contacts are at each company? Mm -hmm. um, what are you doing the beginning of January? 
What are you shifting to the middle of January? Mm-hmm. Why are you on a podcast on January 31st? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I got to get back to work. Um, so what I do is I am um, basically taking the, the lowest, like um, maybe 30 of those, those accounts and constantly rotating them out. So all, basically all of January, I've been prospecting, um, really dialing in that, um, that 150 50 target accounts. Um, and then I go into Salesforce. I use a tool called Prospect and then Outreach as well to, to start doing outreach to them. And then I hit them all with, with LinkedIn touches. So I'm kind of transitioning now into the outreach um, portion, but it's mainly right now just dialing in that target account list. So what do you mean? So dialing in on the target account, what does that mean? Yep. Yep. So, yeah. So basically we have an ICP of let's say a hundred to 500 employees. They have a certain amount of um, technologies they're using. So that's, that's an ideal customer. And there might be some kind of on the fringes that I'm looking at and I'm saying, uh, maybe this is worth a LinkedIn note, but otherwise I'm getting them off my target account list and bringing on somebody that I find that that is more defined in our ICP. So, so are you saying that all of January you're fine you're you're refining the list or are you also doing the prospecting too? I'm I'm mostly refining the list. I'd say that was the first 2 weeks, but we also had SCO, so it's just been kind of crazy right. here. So I've been refining the list, I've been doing outreach and then I've been just doing more trainings for for the year as well. Got it. And yeah. when you when you put together your sequence in outreach how many touches are you running as you start to move into prospecting in February? Yeah. So right now I'm doing like a six to eight touch sequence, but those are for the, the lower tiered accounts and I'm doing one-to-one personalized messaging for the, the top tier accounts. Got it. And yep. if you're doing six to eight over what time frame? About three months. Three months. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And of those six to eight, how many are phone calls? How many are LinkedIn? How many are email? Are they kind of even, evenly dispersed? How do you do it? So, so what I usually do is I start with a LinkedIn message and then I hit them with an outreach sequence and I'll usually let that run for, for two emails and then I'll, I'll give them a call and I'll say, Hey, I, I sent you a LinkedIn. I emailed you a couple times. So they're at least generally, genuinely aware of, of our company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have something to reference, not just, Hey, I'm calling you out of the blue. So you're, so you're not asking for the meeting in the first three touches. Um, yeah, well, I, I am. I you am. are okay. Yes. Who, yes. Who's your who's your buyer though? What's the what's the persona? Is it a VP of sales? Is it a CEO? Who is it? It's a it's a marketing team. Um, so it's either a CMO or a director of marketing. Sometimes marketing manager. So so the are you do you find that most most of your decision makers, most of the CMOs, they're active and responsive on on LinkedIn. You get a good hit rate from that that. It's. Approach? It's, it's so multi-pronged um, and it's, it's a little bit, um, yeah, I would say. Does it surprise, say, does it surprise you that in 2020 that you can, somebody could be running a marketing team and, and not be responsive on LinkedIn? Surprise. It does. It does. It really does. Yeah, it does. But uh, people are trying to, trying to help each other out on LinkedIn. And if you're coming in and trying to, trying to add some value um, and not coming off just like a salesman, um, just for a quick chat, people are generally open to that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Got it. Got it. What, um, what, what have you learned in the last few years, maybe in the last year, right? Um, cause you had a big life transition, right? You had, you had a baby, baby daughter, June, right? Yes. Right. Um, and she's standing on the surfboard, I presume. 
uh, I got a picture of her at Fort Point standing on my surfboard after a, a surf session. So Sweet. not in the water, but yes. That should be your LinkedIn profile pic. I know. It should. Um, what have you learned? You know, and let me ask, let me back up. When you came on to, um, to, to where you are now, were you a manager moving into an IC role or had you been an IC for a while? I had been an IC for a while. Okay. Yeah. What's something you've learned new since getting into this level of an IC role? Uh, with you know, and this is a great company you're working for, so I yeah. you know, give mad props to them. Um, yeah. What's something new that you could give advice you could give to somebody around this that you've learned in the last year? Yeah, I think that um, something I struggled with as I moved up market in my my IC career is knowing how many decision makers are involved in a decision. So sometimes you have great rapport with your first contact. They even tell you that they're the decision maker. And at the end of maybe have three phone calls with them and then they go, you know what? I have to run this by my CMO or my CEO, or I can't get any, anything done without my CFO signing off on. I'm like, wait, that was just me and you. So, um, so that's yeah, what I've, I've yeah. learned to navigate. The hidden, yeah. It's the old, it's the old I'm the decision maker. I, I yeah. have all the authority. Yeah. Right. And you I kind of feel bad pushing back on that because you don't want to sound like, yeah. Are you, are you sure? Are you like, it's, it's, so that's a difficult thing for, I think every seller to manage. How do you do it now? So now you know, this is probably coming, right? You, mm -hmm. you, you've learned, you've watched the waves mm -hmm. come in, you now know your yep. step, you know, your break, right? Yeah. So now what do you try to do earlier in the conversation in that first or second call to try and vet out that, that piece without actually offending them? Right. Cause I understand yeah. that piece too. Have you figured out a way to sort of ask that question? Yeah, something I've been trying um, to varying degrees of success is to say, hey, you know what, my, my team can't get anything signed without our CFO's approval. Is there anything like that within your company? Right. So it's, it's, not, like, it's not like, hey, are you really the boss? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's something like, hey, this is what we do. Is this something you do too? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'll give you a couple of tips. Um, yeah, I'd love some. So one is um, just say, you know, how does your organization make these kinds of decisions? Yep. Right. Um, you can also say, you know, a lot of times I talk to people and they're, they're the, they're the decision maker to decide to use it. But oftentimes it's got to get, it's got to go through a process internally. I don't want to use the word approval, right? Right. There's a process. Is there something about the process I can help you with? Right. So that now okay. you're sort of, you're, you're making the process, this third party entity that doesn't have emotion to you or them, right. you can ask right. about that. My other favorite question to encourage people to ask is, um, who else is affected by this decision? Not not involved, but affected, because yep. everybody's affected by it, right? Right. And then that way, you can sort of get a sense of it. So I don't know, Scott, how, what have you taught people on this one? It's a good topic. I like, I'd, I like being a little bit more direct and, and saying like, who, who else is gonna be excited by this decision? You I like that, that's a great question though. Of this. Right? Or the opposite is, is any is anybody going to be like you know negatively impacted? Can you think of anybody in the organization that you know might not like this for some reason? Most of the time, ninety percent of the time, they say no, not really. And when you ask the question about you know who else in the organization is going to be excited about this change, they inevitably have one or one or two people, and then they kind of light up about it a little bit. Um, but that is also a, a way to flush out what other characters might be involved that you know they're trying to pretend might not have to be a part of the decision making process 
I like I like that I like that word excited because it does send an emotion to them that they have to respond to. Yeah. Right. That's that's really smart. I like that. One. Yeah, I'm gonna try that. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. So you 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 spent a lot of time you know coaching others outside of of sales. Yep. What are the ways that you learn and grow and want to be coached and developed now in your in your career? Yeah. It's a good question. Um, I like to be coached by, I mean, first of all, like kind of the persona I like to be coached by is somebody who's obviously been in the trenches and done it before. Um, and is, does it matter at all to you how recently they've been in the trenches? Not too much, not too much. Um, yeah, it it doesn't really matter to me, to me. Uh, we have, we have older people in our management that haven't been in IC for a while. And I, I think that they're, their um, lessons are just as valid as somebody who might've just been promoted as a manager. Be careful when you throw around that word older. <laughs> more, more experienced. How about that? There you go. Veterans, right. Veterans. Yes. What, 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 what kind of, what kind of training, what delivery mechanism? Like, yeah. Do you, do you, do you like getting trained in group settings more one-on-one? Are you cool with guided learnings or or what yeah i i really like um so when i started hearing my my first couple of phone calls i would get through as much as i could and then when my product knowledge stopped i, I would actually have my my manager on the call and he would kind of take it over from there so it's it's kind of like you're you're learning to ski with somebody kind of holding holding you on the back um so that that's kind of what i like so instead of just doing mock pitches which I would love to hear your guys' opinion on, on mock pitches, but they're always seem to be awkward to me and never really, um, I don't learn too much from them. Um, but I like getting on the phone call with a customer and seeing how my, my manager, um, or leader is, is, um, is doing their, their pitch. Perhaps you can, you can get away from the thought of, um, a mock call and more scenario. Yeah. Right. And, and so I, I think that there, I think there's a lot to, to learn from, from that back and forth. So I might say to you, Hey Taylor, okay. I need to hear your response when somebody says everything looks great. Uh, get back to me in Q2. This is like a Q2, you know, decision. Right. And then I want to hear you deliver your response to that. Yep. And then I'm going to say, okay, now you ask me that question. And mm. I, and I give you my reply, right? So yep. I, I think I think it eliminates some of the awkwardness, yeah, because it condenses it, right? It keeps yep. it in like a short period of time and a back and forth where somebody is able to be like, "Oh, okay, I heard a difference there. I can apply that. I don't have to pay right. attention and keep this facade going for twenty, thirty minutes of a, of a whole mock call." Yeah. Right, and then it's also repeatable. You can say, "Okay, try it again. Try it yeah. again." do it again rather than a 45 minute or an hour pitch where you kind of don't even remember what you said in the first 10 minutes and you're getting notes on it. So I, I like that. I can, I can remember sitting and working with a sales, uh, a sales rep of mine. This is maybe five, six years ago now. And they were just really struggling with the tone Mm -hmm. that I wanted them to find in their, in their opener. And Mm -hmm. I'm not kidding. I literally made them re say the opening, you know, couple couple sentences like 30 40 50 times in a row yep over and over and over and like nope god no all right closer that was a little better right and just over and over and over just a very very 
you know, singular thing that I was trying yep. to, to fix. So maybe, maybe try to think of it more that way, like break it, break it down into little tiny segments and pieces that you can work on. Don't work on a whole entire mock pitch. That might be something to think about. The, the mock, the yeah. mock pitch is the final piece, right? Like I think you, yep. you, you role play different scenarios, right? You right. role play this strategy, this technique, this verbiage, and you role play this one, you role play this one, you role play this one, you role play this one. And then on, maybe on Friday, you do the whole thing. But even then, the coaching should be around those pieces. There is value for doing a mock pitch to see how you pitch, right? That's mm-hmm. different, right? Like, how do I do the demo is a different right. part of the pitch. And how right. you manage that is very different than how do I handle these little one-off moments so that I can sound intelligent, right? Like, like the questions we were giving you about how to make a decision, right? We gave you like yep. six things that, you know, normally Scott and I would sit back and just drill you, try that one, try that one, you know, do it over yep. and over and over again. So I think, I think that's really uh, where that piece is. Yeah. Um, what, where have been some of your less than stellar performances? Let's talk about some failures. Uh, we all have them. We all have our setbacks, whatever you want to call yep. them. Um, where yeah, Biggest sales wipeout. Yeah, there you go. Good question. Um, yeah, I, I, I would say getting, I got, I got let go from a job. Um, my first AE role ever. And did you, that deserve, was it? Did you deserve to be let go? I want to say no. Um, the company, <laughs> went, the, the company went bankrupt after, um, like maybe a year after I got let go. So it was kind of on a downward trend, but I didn't make myself indisposable. So that was uh, definitely a wipeout, and um, I might have got promoted from an SDR too too quickly. Um, but yeah, I, I I have gotten let go before. So what is that? To talk about that for a second, you got promoted. Um, it's not, you know sometimes it's too quick, sometimes it's not. Yep. Look back on it. What were the mistakes you made moving from the SDR to the AE role that you could share with others? So because there's look, there's tons of SDRs who want to get promoted, which is great. Yep. Like everybody's all yep. for it, but yep you know, how do you sort of say, slow your roll, buddy? Yeah, totally. I would just be very open um, with your manager about realistic expectations right out of the gate for for the role. So even after the first week, if you're falling behind, you can say, hey, Monday morning, we got to get together and and make something change rather than waiting for two quarters down the line and you're missing your numbers and then you get axed. So, so make sure there's, there's constant, and that should, should be on your manager too, but, but you got to kind of raise your hand and, um, and make yourself heard. How are you evaluating opportunities these days? So one, one, one could make the case that perhaps that particular company, you know, wasn't the best, didn't have the best long-term outlook, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe Taylor from today, would never have even taken that job yep. because you know certain questions to ask now that you didn't then. Can yep. you talk a little bit about, about that? Yeah, I would, my recommendation to anybody is really check in on the, uh, the interview process. If they seem like they're just desperate to hire and they just got funding and they're going to take anybody, it's, it's, um, that, that can be a really great job that can be, you get at the ground level of a really good company, but can also be something that just flames out in a year, which has also happened to me. So one of the reasons why, um, I picked at the time, which was called AdRoll, was because they've been around for, for over 10 years. 
and um, the leadership was really good as well. So that is something as I get more experience, I'm looking into the the interview process. Is there? Go ahead, Richard. No, go ahead, Scott. I was going to ask what what are the what are the different challenges in selling at an early stage startup versus a large, you know, more established organization for you? Mm -hmm. Um, well, it, it's one is just name recognition is huge. Um, yeah, you, just if, call, you just call people up and you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm with Adderall. Boom. They just they say, go, yes. where do I sign? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> name recognition is huge. Um, but if you are in a, in a startup, uh, you do have, uh, I would say a, you do have a good, um, opportunity to kind of unseat some, some, some tech by just saying, Hey, I know that that you're using X company now. We're doing something differently, and some people are not not happy. So they're like, "Hey, yeah, let's let's at least entertain a phone call." So it's it's your way in. What what kind of leader brings out the best in you, right? When you're when you are interviewing and you're looking for a sales leader or leadership, you know, cult, a leadership culture. What mm -hmm. kind of what kind of boss brings out the best in Taylor? Yeah, I would say a uh, kind of a, a positive one that has a has a good vision and i can imagine having a beer with him after him or her after work um it's because you you spend more time here than really with your family so it's like you gotta you gotta be with them in the trenches all the time so not only to see their their success and kind of check all the the standard boxes but to see if you can hang out with uh with them for eight what, ten hours what about from a coaching perspective right like yeah. what kind of coaching brings out the best in you do you want yeah. weekly one-on-ones do you want you know course or gong recorded calls and you know you want to sit down and do a call like what kind of things like that work for you yeah i'm fairly uh i like fairly hands-on coaching at the at the start um and then give me the reins to to eat it a couple times and and wipe out a couple times right and get my own get my own kind of rhythm going and then go back for weekly one-on-ones chorus is a, is a plug I'll give out. I use it and it's, I'm kind of listening to chorus calls all day while I'm, I'm prospecting or, or doing whatever, just to kind of get the rhythm of the calls in my head and see what other people are, are doing as well. So I, I really do like chorus. That's really good. What, yeah. um, I had another question for you around that. Um, what kind of leader brings out the worst in you? Uh, I haven't luckily had too many bad bosses or even, even mediocre managers. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's kind of hard to, to answer that question. I also get along with just about everybody. Right. So even if, if people are like, Hey, this, this, I mean, there's always chatter on the sales floor about leadership. Um, sorry to tell you guys that, but um, yeah, it's, it's uh, I'm aware. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't like to, go towards that negative energy. I'd rather, I'd rather have a conversation with them and not kind of get sucked down by that negative energy. Well, that, that takes you back to your, you know, four years old surfing, right? You just learned how to chill early. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, yep. But, and being a parent, you're just like, I don't have time there's for so it. much more important stuff than this, right? Uh, -uh. I don't have time for it. Exactly. Right. Yep. <laughs> How do you, let, let me ask you this, because there, there's always, look, and some of it's valid, there's always chatter on the floor. Um, how do you, and, and you know, 
almost every sales floor has a negative person, right? Everything's always wrong. It's always the company's fault. So, so one thing you can do, right, is ignore it. Mm -hmm. um, what are other things that you've ever done in your past, you know, aside from sort of, you know, moving away from it? Have you ever tried to coach them peer to peer on something mm -hmm. like that? Just again, trying to give some advice to, to other folks who may be experiencing that. Yeah, I would say sometimes those people just want to be listened to. They just want to want to vent. And I think it's healthy sometimes. So it, even if you just want to lend an ear and not not stoke the fire mm -hmm. and stoke that negativity, but to say, hey, yeah, like what what is going on? Like, why are you having a tough time? Just just be empathetic and just and just hear them out. And then maybe they're like, whoa, like sometimes I've had a bad day and I just need to just vent to somebody. So just be there for your your fellow salespeople. How do you? Maybe you've never had one, but if you have you ever had a sales slump, uh oh yeah, yeah, so oh yeah. How'd you what's pull best, yourself out? Best, best tip for breaking out of the sales slump. Yeah, best tip. Um, stick to the process that um, that the people on your team are are doing, and really get tips from the the higher performers. You mean go back to the process because if you're in a slump, you probably deviated from it, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See, see what's working and, and don't be afraid to ask for, for help. Um, if you are asking for help from somebody on your team or your manager um, and just, and just know the next sale is coming. It's, it's you're not going to, you're not going to goose egg for months on end. That's good. That's good. Yep. Well, yeah. We're sort of getting to the end. Um, you know, one of the things we always like to turn around is, is sort of, you know, flip it a little bit is mm -hmm. what can we do to you for you? Like, how can we help you um, in your career and your sales gig mm -hmm. in life? Like, what can we do to give you some karma back? Yeah, I would say one, if you know anybody, um, I do private surf lessons um, in the Bay Area. So if you know anybody who wants to wants to surf early in the mornings or on the weekends, I'm your guy. So if you, what if you know anybody you work there. With? Um, here there's not, not too many kids in San Francisco, but I've taught everybody from ages four to, to 80 years old. I've, I've, I've taught and teached everybody. I, I, that could be my kids. My boy, my, I mean, my boys do surf, but yep. I wouldn't mind putting them in a lesson. Right. Yeah. Uh, here's a, here's don't, an don't take them to ocean beach. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's a okay. question for you. Um, as you, as you surf, right. Do you still yep. take surf lessons? I don't know, but I am, I am watching surf videos, um, all the time. Um, not, not normally at work, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I look at work. I know you're doing your, your, your fantasy football. I get it. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Work. Exactly. So I'm, I'm studying surfing, um, all the time and I'm, I'm reading about it and, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm taking it in all the time. Are you, and when you watch them, are you, are you looking at technique? Are you looking at, at foot movement and weight and balance and those kinds of things? Like are you really oh, yeah. deciphering all the time. All the time. And sometimes I'll, I'll look at a surfer and I'll see that maybe his, um, his bottom turn is something I want to try to emulate. So I'll go out and just focus on my bottom turns for the, for the whole session. Right. And so that yeah. is, and that obviously correlates to sales, right? Like that's yep. a complete, that, which actually goes back to your pitch comment. Hey, yeah. don't worry about riding the whole thing. Don't worry about the yep. whole pitch. Focus yep. on the bottom turn, right? That yes. goes back to, totally. to that comment there. Totally. So um, I guess another question for you. Um, my my goal is to move up. I'm at, at mid market right now. My goal is to move up one day to to enterprise sales. 
So how do you how do you best navigate kind of that going from from mid market to to enterprise and any challenges there? Well, the first thing you got to make sure you do is be really really good at your job today. Yep. Don't 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 think that uh, just by focusing on being an enterprise rep, it's magically going to appear. You you, you better nail the role that you're in. Right. And then start to demonstrate that you have the capacity to. Um, understand the increasing complexity involved with larger deals you know right. try to try to tag along and be supportive potentially of other people who are working on yep. deals you know comp free by the way just to right. learn and and help and 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 contribute um i certainly think that at some point you will want to express the desire to move up so it becomes on uh leadership's you know radar right. um, and at some point in time, you know, if, if you've done really well and you've done all the things that you feel like you would need to do in order to move up, if that opportunity does not exist at your current organization, you've got to, in my opinion, be willing to take a risk and bet on yourself and, and look outside uh, and find another role and, and mm -hmm. you know, bet on yourself, like I like to say, and, and, and take a chance and, and go that route. What about you, Richard? Yeah, I think the... Um... I mean, that's the benefit of a course and gong, right? Is you mm -hmm. could go listen to some enterprise deals. Right. Um, I also think you want to, for lack of a better phrase, interview enterprise reps, whether they're mm -hmm. at your company or outside. Like you could probably LinkedIn some enterprise rep at Oracle or whatever and just say, hey, I'd like to interview you. You don't know me. Um, I'm in this level. I'm trying to learn more about enterprise and I just want to get different opinions, right? I just want to hear from different people. So sort of go into it in this interview process, which could eventually lead to a mentoring role, but it's not quite as heavy an ask, right? Um, right. For that other person. And for me, when you say, hey, I want to interview you, it, it stokes their ego in, in, a, in a really fun way that, oh, wow, this person thinks I'm smart, right? Right. Um, I also think that you, you know, particularly at a company you're at, I'm hoping they have a career pathing map already there that if you want to go into this role, these are our expectations beforehand, right? right. You got to hit your numbers. You got to do this. Um, you know, as you said, you have some, um, some uh, elder statesmen in the organization, in the sales role, uh, yep. or in the leadership role. Um, you know, I would even say, Hey, I want to interview you about this. Yep. And then, then it becomes, wow. Okay. This person's interviewing me. They're not asking me, to teach them something, you know what I mean? Like it just changes right. the dynamic of that conversation just in yeah. that one word. So um, by using that word interview, it makes, every, makes the other person the expert, um, right. which they should be, which, I'm, which yeah. I'm happy for. The last thing I would say is don't take that stupid bullshit of, well, I don't know, you just kind of got to do it and blah, 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 blah. You know, like if, yeah. if, you, if that person can't answer that question, then they're not the right person to talk to, right? Mm -hmm. And that's fair. Like that's okay. Maybe they can't articulate it and it's not in their mindset to what not in a negative way not want to articulate it but they just it's just not their way of doing it so i think you got to sort of ask from that perspective right right um and i think the last sorry the, the last last thing is as you go to the elder statements statesman in your organization say hey if i want to move into enterprise who should i be paying attention to who should i be right. talking to Right. Yeah. You know, at this company or another company, because they're all right. going to know somebody. Right. Yeah. And, and again, you're sort of saying, hey, I just want to keep learning. Right. Right. That's how I would do it. Right. 
thank you guys. Yeah. yeah. Our Thanks pleasure, for man. Some time with yeah. us here. Hopefully. Yeah, uh, I, I guess I, I have one other plug. Um, mm-hmm. if, if you wouldn't mind the, um, if anybody's in San Francisco and looking for a volunteer, um, opportunity, the city surf project is a, um, nonprofit that takes kids from the inner city and, and teaches them how to surf. And they're always looking for volunteers and, um, they have events, fundraising events throughout the year. So it's something to, to check out. Johnny, Johnny, um, Irwin runs it and he's a, he's a great dude. And, um, they're always looking for volunteers. What, what city surf project. Is that what it's called? City surf project. And is that their website? CitySurfProject.com or I'm, I'm guessing it is. Okay. I'm guessing it is. Yeah. Great. One of our, yep. one of our buddies and, and, uh, previous guests, on the Surf and Sales podcast, Henry Frazier is a participant in that. Oh, cool. Sweet. I'll just yeah. try to connect, connect you guys. After yeah, yeah, I definitely. should. Definitely. 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 All right, Taylor. Thanks for spending some time with us today, man. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Scott and Richard. Have a good one. You too. All right.